0: on today's episode of the bolts broadcast what an underwhelming draft stay tuned Season four, episode 70 of the Bolts broadcast. Mike Mitchelson and Chase Kroshaw with you today. Chase, how are you on this beautiful Monday afternoon?
1: I'm chilling, you know, just kind of kind (laughs) of hanging out, living like Larry, a decent day outside. Not that I'm really going out much with, you know, the recovery, but still nice to look out the window while recording and see, you know, a nice blue sky. How are we doing, Michael?
0: Uh, Doing pretty well, and we got a a new little setup happening with me today. Uh, Back home in Michigan for 16 days. It'll be a a nice little break. I've got nine days of no work. I've got uh, some PTO, some vacation, weekends, obviously all that goes into it. And then the following week I will be working from home. So it's nice to get back, but while we're doing that, I had to find a way to be able to record still, so brought most things back. However, I didn't bring any boom arms, so I'm actually just holding my microphone this whole time, and we are in the old studio, except the studio is now a guest room, so it's no longer, you know, ready for sound, but ready for, you know, going to sleep, so we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to get it going, though, and uh it's bringing back memories being in this room
1: yeah that's that's cool it's fun for sure um you know definitely a little weird to have as a guest room since you know that that room doesn't have a have a door that shuts has a little curtain and it's you know it's in a basement but there is a, a a big window i don't really like you guys bought the house and the window was just there already. Right.
0: Yes. And it always yeah. freaked me out because when we came and looked at it, it used to be like the kid's playroom from the previous owners and they didn't clean the glass well enough. So there was just a child's handprint on the glass for forever. <laughs> and it always freaked me the hell out. I'm like, is this a ghost? What is happening? But you know,
1: Oh, that, that that's hilarious. It, yeah, no, that, it's definitely, it's definitely a little, little weird that you can just kind of, I think you said you have a cart there or something, but you, you can you can still just kind of be peeped on a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, decent heavy back in town. Uh, I'm not going to say good because it's not great, but it's not terrible either because I haven't seen you yet. So decent.
0: Yeah, it's been a blessing. I've gotten to see some uh, cool friends and haven't had to deal with you, at least in person yet. So that's been really nice. Um, but on today's yeah, episode but- of the Bulls broadcast, we got some great stuff, Chase. Going to be talking Tampa, their draft, their transactions through free agency so far, and then after the commercial break, go a little deep dive in the draft as a whole. Were, were you going to say something before I went into that?
1: No, I was just going to make fun of you some more.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Well, let's start. Uh, I think the first thing we got to mention is before the draft even kicked off, Tampa made a move to acquire the 37th overall pick in the draft, obviously a lot more exciting than what we had on board coming into the draft. But that means we lost Ross Colton.
1: Yeah, man, which, which sucks. Cause I just spent, I think it was the last episode. Talk, maybe it was the one before, but talking about how Ross Colton should have, have an opportunity to, you know, maybe step up here earn an extra role with, with the organization because I am a Ross Colton fan, but just wasn't meant to be, I guess. Um, You know, he gets shipped out along with a few other guys that ended up getting moved. Um, But he—he was the first domino to fall, and as you said, ended up grabbing that early second-round pick. And yeah, I—I like who they ended up grabbing. I thought it was a solid draft based on what they had to work with. Um, But still, it's—it's tough that 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 a guy that that I really did believe in the breakout. He's you know he's going to go to Colorado. He's going to probably play in that middle six role, probably, you know, that third line role, kind of see what he does. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to do well there. Would have been cool to see him have a little more success in Tampa, but moves done time to move on. Hopefully we've got someone else, um, in house. Uh, you know, there's obviously signings too, but hopefully someone in house that's a little bit younger that can step up.
0: Yeah. And I, I just have nightmares from the last time we traded, uh, I, I, not necessarily super young player, but a younger player that looked like he was stepping up. And then we go see Bro. I'm forgetting his name right now, but Bro just lights it up for Florida this past season. He was fantastic. Carter Verhege? Yes, Carter Verhage. Guy, uh, I just don't want a Carter Verhage situation yet again here with Ross Colton.
1: Yeah, uh, you know... I don't think it's going to be that type of jump. I think he's going to have success because he's a good player. If it ends up being like that, then, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be an ultimate feels bad, man. But I, I don't, I don't think it is. Um, it, it's, it's, it you know, as I mentioned, it's a guy I think that can have success and will have some success. But if he takes that type of jump, then it's an ultimate kind of egg on your face type of move for Breeze. yeah.
0: All right, well, let's talk about what we got in return. Like you mentioned, 37th overall pick. You said you liked who we got, that being Ethan Goche out of the queue.
1: Yeah, and I do like Ethan Gautier. Um, he was someone that I don't know how many teams, but he, he was probably considered a first round pick on a couple teams' boards. Um, ended up going into the second round. Um, you know, not, not every team is going to make first round selections, if It gets to make a ton of them. So just because you have them in the first round doesn't mean you're getting him in the first round. So. Um, he's definitely got those going to be on some teams boards early on. Uh, he has a lot of skill Has some success last year in the queue, 69 points with 30 goals for 66 games with Sherbrooke. Uh, he's going to be heading back there this year uh, or heading back to the queue. I should say, uh, he will be playing with Drummondville. He's going to have a pretty large role. Um, he's probably going to be, you know, one of the guys, one of the leading scores, um, in the Quebec league. They'd be cool if we could maybe take a big jump and become the leading scorer because he does have the skill set to do it. Um, you know, he, He's, he's got the size, you know, six foot one eighty three. He's he's a right shot forward. I, I do really like um, you know, the skill. He's he's a great he's a great transition player, so he's he's really you know good at you know at turning that defensive um, that you know that defensive zone play into that transition into the offense zone into into the um, into the forecheck he does a really good job there so it's gonna be fun Um, hopefully here in a couple years can see him make that jump to the NHL Uh, definitely don't expect it to be an overnight type thing it'll it'll take a couple years as it usually does the second round picks but he is someone that I think will be an NHLer so it was good to be able to go up and get a guy like that at least.
0: All right, well, let me ask, we have Isaac Howard, who we drafted 31st overall last year. Obviously, he quickly became the best prospect within the system. Now that we have Gauthier on board, how do those two compare? When do you see these two uh, making an impact for the team? And then ceiling-wise, do we still lean Howard, or does Howard get upset now?
1: It really depends what we see Isaac Howard do this year. Um, you know, I'll give him the slight advantage for be, being, you know, being the older player, being the first round pick, now that it's a large difference in, um, you know, like draft capital, but still going to give him the slight advantage, but he really needs, you know, he really needs to make a big jump this year. He transferred to Michigan state, you know, transferred out of uh, Minnesota Duluth last year, or he had a really underwhelming start started playing a little bit better, but you know, wanted more for himself. So he's going to go to Michigan state Him they had got a couple other transfers as well. Um, hopefully he can kind of get his offense flowing there, but it's, it's a little nerve-wracking. Uh you know, state has not produced a ton of, you know, NHL players, uh, especially in recent history. It's it's been a little while. So, I'm just hoping that, you know, that this is a change of the course there for them and, and he can really kind of kind of refine his confidence and generate a little more offense. So, it, it'll really tell um, you know, even if just partially into this year, but if not by the end of the year, who's going to kind of be the better one. But at the moment, I'm just I'll give a slight lean towards Isaac Howard.
0: Okay. And you mentioned Michigan State, my alma mater. Um, I don't know if you know who else is joining Isaac Howard over there, but actually your number one goalie on the board, Trey Augustine, who ended up with the Red Wings, he's heading over to State as well. So, hey, who knows? little resurgence for Michigan State. We got some young talent coming in.
1: Yeah, they have um, right now slated uh, on the roster six NHL draft picks for next season, which is which is good for them. You know, they're getting another transfer in Red Savage, who is a Red Wings draft prospect who um, he's got some NHL upside as well. Maxim Surbach just drafted the Buffalo in this draft class. Um, he's going in as well. Big big Slovak defenseman. Um, you know, I. I think they got you got a solid group going in. And, you know, there's going to be a couple guys that end up turning pro uh, NHLers. Probably not. But, you know, of these non drafted players that will go play in the American League, the East Coast League, go play overseas. So they, they've got some talent coming in. And, you know, hopefully this is kind of that, you know, turn, you know, tra- turning of the ship. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is the phrase I'm looking for. But hopefully this is going back to Michigan State being uh, national contenders like they were so many years ago.
0: Yeah, and it'd be great because Michigan State not known for choking when they are the favorites, like Michigan. So they more step up when they're not even seen as contenders. So hopefully, we can see old Sparty get back on top.
1: <laughs> I mean, i I, I just root. For, I root for all these Michigan teams. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like go try to argue back and forth on it because. as as long as the Michigan team is winning, I'm happy. Um, I am not a U of M alumni or anything. So I'm I'm not going to say much on that other than you're just a silly guy.
0: Well, let's talk about the other four draft picks for Tampa. I'll let you take it away. We had fourth round, sixth round and two seventh round picks. I'd love to give all my insight, but I'll be honest with you. I don't know that much about these guys.
1: Yeah. And you know, that that's fair. Um, I can get it. So We'll start with uh, our, our fourth-round draft selection, Jason Chagabi, who is, you know, he, he's he's got some skill. Um, he's is a is a pretty solid solid player. Um, you know, coming in at five foot nine, hundred sixty-eight pounds. He's a forward, plays down the middle. Spent last year in Minnesota high school. Um, you know, for for a little bit, which is a, it, it's it's the best high school um hockey in the country. It's very highly regarded. There's NHL draft picks out of it all the time. We also spent time in the USHL with the Green Bay Gamblers. Uh, put up some really dominant numbers at the Minnesota high school, as I mentioned, playing for Warroad, which is a pretty prolific program. Um, they've it's a small town that's turned out many NHLers like DJ Oshie. Ninety-six points to thirty-one games um, put up really strong numbers, and then in Green Bay, sixteen points to twenty-seven games. So it ends up being, uh, you know, a, a pretty good, a pretty good value here because you know he is a a, a really. Just skill forward. Um, you know, he got, got got slick hands. He's a good puck distributor, and he's someone that's definitely going to take some time to really refine his game. Uh, going to have to add a little bit of weight, and he he's someone I I probably expect is going to be at least a three year college guy, if not just you know a full on college graduate before he turns pro. Um, and you know there's nothing wrong with that. He'd be coming at a time where there would really be a big transition in players. Um, You know, I, I was going to mention it later on, but I'll say it now. Um, Tampa sitting at eight players left over from their cup team um, in 2021. So they're already seeing a big transition as it is, you know, only eight guys left from that roster, but he's someone that, you know, when we're getting down to the, you know, like four players left, he, he's, he's hopefully going to be ready to kind of step in and take that jump. But a kid with some upside. I, I like the selection.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those guys where as a Tampa supporter, can be a little bit more excited than the likes of a New York Rangers supporter because when you look at the history of being able to develop young talent, Tampa's been able to do that in and out, whereas the Rangers, they can't even develop first overall picks. So seeing a guy who only 5'9", 165, a little bit smaller, but that might have been part of the reason such a high-skill forward Drops this far, so seeing him come to Tampa, I think that's awesome. He's going to take some time, like you mentioned, but to get that and to have the possibility of this Tampa staff to really mold him on how they want to see him play in the NHL—that's exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to our, uh, you know, one of one of our next picks uh, in the sixth round, 170th overall, we took Warren Clark. Uh, he's he's a big size D man, uh, six foot three, 194 pounds. Played in the MJHL, which is the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, which really isn't a prolific league by any means. Um, it's you know it, it's good. Still turns out NCAA talent as he is committed to Saint Cloud State. Um, and he is a Canadian kid, so it makes a little more sense that he's playing in a Canadian league. But the strange thing to me is that you know he he's an Ontario boy. Why not play in like the OJHL, the CCHL? You know, one of those junior A leagues that are more local. If if you're gonna play junior A or when I go play in the AJHL or the BCHL, maybe it was because he could be, you know, his team's top D-man here and get a little more exposure. I don't know, but there's definitely teams in those other leagues where he could have done that as well. So it, it's it's interesting to see. Um, not a guy that I can say I've watched a ton on. Um, I've seen very little bits when I was, um, you know, do, doing scouting for for my, you know, my own my own teams. Um, I was looking at some Canadian players. And he was something that I knew was on, um, on like central scouting's watch list. So I didn't even bother because like, I wasn't going to get that guy. Um, but I, I did see a little bit of passing and he, He's just, just a good sturdy defense and a little bit of offensive upside. Um, I don't really forecast him being like a skirt fire nhler by any means. It's, it's hard to say that at this point in the draft, but you know, there is enough of the intangibles there with, with the size um, you know, with the bit of offensive production he has in the past. It's not overwhelming, but there is, there is a little bit of a history of it. So, it's definitely gonna be a wait and see um he's definitely going to be a college graduate type of player gonna play out four or five years
0: and these late round picks they're really just lottery picks you know so being able to or lottery tickets i should say uh, being able to just put a little bit of draft capital into them see if they pan out that's cool and if you're looking at a 63 right-handed defenseman uh, yeah i'm fine taking you know a little lottery ticket on that type of guy
1: Yeah, 100%. So moving on next, Jack Harvey, uh, BU Commit. He's uh, one of the older players in the draft, the 2003 birth year. Uh, So he's 20 years old, been through the draft a couple times. This would be his third one. Another forward up front, uh, 5'10", 176 pounds. Um, Another skill type of guy. Put up good numbers last year in the USHL Chicago Steel, 74 points for 62 games. Added 40 goals to it. Uh, Another guy that you're really expecting him to kind of finish out a, a collegiate career. When you're a bit of a late bloomer like he was, and you know, like scored that well in what would have been his last draft eligible year, um, he still has one more year junior hockey eligibility technically left. But this was his last draft year. Um, it's it's those types of players. If they hit, they definitely take a little bit longer, um, especially where his kind of production is. So, don't expect, um, you know, don't expect the next. Nikita Kucherov type player, and any any shit like that, because he's gonna take some time to develop. Um, but he is another player who does have just some great puck skills. Um, you know, a nice, really skilled player. It's just about kind of kind of making sure that you keep up that production. You make sure that it translates to the college game. Make sure it translates to the pro game, and just kind of develop more of of the all around game and develop that hockey sense a bit more.
0: And when it comes to older players, I think earlier on, um, maybe it. I'd like to know your philosophy, I guess, overall. But I feel like, from my opinion, early on, you could have an older type of player where they are a bit of a late bloomer, but they show some dominance once they get into that 19-year-old season. When it comes to the later rounds, at least when I'm playing, you know, couch GM on NHL 23, when I'm looking in the late rounds, I'm never going after the 19, 20-year-old players because it always feels like if they're only at this point in their career when they're 19, 20 years old, let me go take the younger guy. Let me get a little bit more time. Um, so kind of what's your philosophy when it comes to these older players? Do you like them in the early rounds? Do you like them in the later rounds? Do you not like them at all? What are your thoughts?
1: Well, there's you know, there's no exact science to it because at the end of it, you're creating less. It's like, all right. What I'm looking at right now, who is the best prospect? Who can I project the best? Like that. That's that's how you're kind of creating your ranking system. So there's no exact science. It's not me saying, okay, I am picking my my overage players from picks number fifty to picks number one hundred fifty in the draft. You know that that's it, it's not necessarily that way. Um, it, it it just all comes down to how much I like a player and where, where I like him at. I'm I'm not really opposed to taking um, you know, an, an overage player in the first round, if they really look that dominant, um, I, I it's something that I'm very rarely going to do, but if all of a sudden, you know, they have a huge breakout and they're, you know, putting up two points a game and in, in a league, then things are a little different Then it's like, all right, well, th- this kid, maybe he just kind of had, you know, ha- ha- has dealing with an injury in the past or had to unlock something and then figured it out, then, then you want to take a shot on him, Or even if it's somebody who, you know, like, like, like Jack Harvey, who, he finally got over a point per game in that year, um, in in, in that um, you know, last draft eligible year, I should say, he has got the skills. You know, it, it was seen in the past. It just you were waiting for the for the uh for the production to happen, and it started to happen. So it's not a bad idea taking taking a flyer on that guy a little bit later, because at the end of the day, what you're looking for, um, especially in rounds four and on, are just guys that. Have shown glimpses of of an ability and show that they could potentially develop two, three, four more abilities. That, that that's what you're looking for. So it really doesn't matter about the age. Yeah, it's it's better if you can get a younger guy. Sure, if you know all things are equal, you're going to go with the younger player. But it's it's not necessarily me, you know, intentionally looking for the younger player over the older player.
0: Okay, understandable. Let's talk about the final guy. Okay. The one yep. being that plays just on the road from us.
1: Yeah, so yeah, the final pick, as I mentioned, um, Ethan Hay, uh, lat, our last pick there in the seventh round, 211th overall to the Flint Firebirds. Uh, spent two seasons there uh, so far, you know, b- both of his eligible junior hockey seasons. Um, last season coming off of a 28-point year uh, through 64 games with 17 goals. Another forward, another center, 6'1", 190 pounds. Um, you know, it not, not necessarily some dominant prolific scorer by any means um, he was a, a former third round pick in the OHL so it's not like he's been some clearly dominant prospect from when he was younger till now but it's again you know as I mentioned you're, you're just looking to identify a trade or two that you can further develop and then you can maybe potentially add a couple more and he, he's had some you know some some success uh, some history of success scoring in, in the AAA a ranks um, you know playing up a year for his um U like what was his U 14 season technically playing U15 in Canada for um for Waterloo. Just finished under point per game, didn't get to play his COVID year, um, just as most Ontario kids didn't. So it's kind of hard to judge that. But first years in the OHL, um, you know, some signs of life. This is the type of kid that you're really just hoping for a really big boom breakout either this season or the following. Not necessarily somebody I'm expecting to be, you know, a signed player or, or a long-term prospect, potentially NHL for Tampa, but it, it's just a guy that, you know, we like something enough. We'll, uh, let's, let's just take a shot. Seventh round. If they don't hit, we're not getting fired over it. And, and So at the end of the day, you're looking at your area scouts and, you know, the ones in Michigan get super excited over this kid, even the ones in Ontario that will see him, you know, it, it's a kid that they get super excited over. So the team trusts them enough and they trust their conviction. And then they go make the selection just as simple as that.
0: Yeah, and Tampa, not one of those teams that's going to be in the position to go out and grab your Connor Bedards, your Maffei Mishkovs, but to be able to bring in a top 40 pick, a couple of lottery tickets, that's going to continue to help bolster the younger ranks of this team. We've known for a long time that this Tampa team has not had the best prospect pool. So to bring in Isaac Howard last year, to bring in a top 40 pick again in Gauthier this year, that's just going to continue to improve this team, and that's what we'd like to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there, it's it's really about Ethan Gauthier. Um, he he is kind of the, I, I guess, prized possession, is so lack of a better term in, in this draft for Tampa. But um, Shogabi is someone that definitely has some intrigue as well, and we'll kind of see about the rest.
0: All right, well, let's move on to free agency and talk about some of the moves we've seen. Before we actually talk about signings, I do want to talk about two trades that being us sending Corey Perry to Chicago, as well as sending Patrick Maroon and Maxim Kajakovic to Minnesota.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when, when you're looking at kind of what Tampa's doing in this offseason, it's it's really just like roster. There's a lot of roster manager type moves where um, it, it's just it's just kind of them. Trying to trying to find room, trying to create raw spaces for what they ultimately did in free agency. Um, so you're not really looking outside of the, you know, Ross move any sort of big blockbuster trades. But we did move on from some from some death guys. You know, a guy like Kachkovich is not someone that's gonna be an NHLer. He's really just an AHL guy at this point. But when you're looking at, you know, the, the the third fourth liners that we've kind of moved on from, it's really just opening the space to go out and and you know, sign a couple free agents like they have thus far. So you know, best of luck going forward. You know, we, we appreciate, um, you know, we, we appreciate the many years we, we, we appreciate, you know, the hard work. Um, but it, it, you know, it's, it's these types of moves aren't really something that I'm going to lose sleep over by any means.
0: Yeah. And Patrick Maroon was fantastic for us, been able to help us, uh, you know, get those Stanley cups, but we mentioned him, Corey Perry Pierre-Edward Bellamar, they made up a line of probably the slowest line in the NHL last year. And when you're trying to continue to compete and you've got players getting older, like Victor Hedman, Steven Samkos, Nikita Kucherov, you don't necessarily need even older players that are struggling to skate. So although we appreciate everything they did for us here, uh, I am excited to see where we move in this next upcoming season, what direction we're going. Hopefully it's more speed because that's where we know the NHL is leaning. Also talking about it, Elliot Friedman, when he tweeted out the Patrick Maroon trade, he mentioned Minnesota already the Stanley Cup favorites because they have Patrick Maroon.
1: Yeah, and you know that's that's fair, uh, especially w- with with that resume that he has. Um, you know, I I don't I don't hate that take. It's obviously just a little poke, a little like, kind of poking fun at it, funny thing, but you know, it's fair. It's fair that, that that was the piece that pushed us over the edge, really.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the seven signings we've had up until this point. I think really being headlined by the likes of Connor Sheary and Jonas gohansen
1: Hey, do not hate on my boy Luke Wendening. Okay, that was that that was that was pretty fucked up by you. But yeah, Connor Sheary, um, he is he he is really really the one of note here. A guy that's going to be a top line forward. You know, potential playing that top six, three year six million dollar contract. Um, has had a history of of scoring in the NHL. Not necessarily a dominating player, but he has had some stretches where he's put up good numbers. Where he's played with some elite players, which helped. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where he lines up here. Um, you know, I could potentially see him, you know, playing with Stamkos somewhere, playing with points and we're playing with Kutroff somewhere, or I could kind of see him settling into that third line role with whoever ends up kind of in that spot, especially now that, uh, you know, we don't have Baroon, we don't have Killorn, we don't have Corey Perry, we don't have Ross Colton. There's a lot changing up in the, in, you know, in the lineup. So it's really going to kind of be a just like like a, like a wait and wait and see what what happens. Um, I, I could see this being a guy who ends up scoring fifty points or more. I could see him being someone who maybe scores thirty from the third line. Regardless, you're not really risking a ton with the signing, so uh, you know I'm good with it.
0: Yeah, and I do want to mention really quickly because you mentioned Alex Kalorn. Uh, this is a guy who again had some great success here in Tampa, but we've kind of talked about him as a player overall. When you see he goes to the Ducks. For four years at over six million per year, what are your thoughts?
1: I would not assign him to that. I'm very happy Tampa didn't try to find a way to to assign him to that because it just was not worth their cap. But when oh my throat's really dry, excuse me. When you're a team like Anaheim and you're just trying to to get some veterans in, trying to help build up these young players, help them take that next step. When when you get a kid like Leo Carlson who's going to come over. Um, you're trying to mentor them. You know it is what it is. they're they're not gonna die from it by any means. They're not really gonna be too much of a cap crunch uh, anytime soon down the road, maybe at the end of that deal that like we'll see. But you know, it, it's what it's whatever. I, I want to sign them to it, but I don't think they're gonna like die because of it,
0: yeah, all right. well, let's briefly go over uh, these next couple of moves and talk about what type of players here we could potentially see. Being a day in, day out type of player for Tampa.
1: So yeah, you know, as I mentioned, Luke Wendani, he he's my dog. Um, yeah, he's just a player I've, I've always liked, always rooted for. Just a good kind of fourth line guy. You know, do do, do the nitty gritty, um, win face offs, eat a couple of pucks, just 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 re- really do the right things, but not really go out and and dominate. Um, it, it's kind of. It really, I mean, Archibald will probably end up, um, you know, you know, playing some games here and there when needed. It's maybe only on 800K or deal, nothing crazy. Um, Logan Brown, he's got an opportunity to. Kelvin DeHaan might end up coming in as the extra defensive on the roster. Not really sure. Not a huge Dahan guy, so I don't know. But, uh, you know, of all these moves, Shiri's really the one to know. Danning's next, and then all the others. It's just, it, you know, it's kind of a wait and see. They're, they're going to be those really borderline type guys.
0: Yeah, and we mentioned bringing in a little bit more competition for the backup goalie position, Jonas Johansson. Uh, that being the one goalie we've signed up to this point. So uh, interesting to see who takes that spot. But right now, it's kind of kind of a toss up.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a big wait and see, and there might be someone else coming in on the road. Who knows? We'll see.
0: All right, we are going to head to a quick commercial break, but on the other side of the commercial break, going to be talking about the full NHL draft. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800 327 5050 or visit gambling helpline In New York, call 877 8HOPENY or text HOPENY. In Kansas, call 1 800 522 4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1 800 GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See draftkingscom sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game, opt-in required, max bet $50, 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks much for sponsoring the show. Well, Chase, now that the NHL, the NBA, and the NFL are all done for The regular season, the playoffs, and the off season. Now that all the drafts have been finished as well, are you still finding some parlays when it comes to baseball, or are you settling down a little bit?
1: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't bet on baseball. That's an absolute nightmare. That that's a sport that just you can't predict. You over under set to seven and a half. Well, that game finished one nothing, and they're playing a doubleheader. Oh, the second game finished sixteen to three. Yeah, you just don't know. It's it's an absolute train wreck of a sport to bet on. Anybody that does and you have success i envy you because anytime i try it it, it just goes horribly so definitely taking a little break here might bet on some random stuff here and there might play some futures um that's really about it for probably the next couple months
0: yeah and i think there was a baseball game that finished like 25 to nothing uh about a week yeah. ago so that that, yeah. that was an interesting stat line
1: like what a stupid sport like you know b- baseball baseball's fun to watch when you're in person you you know you're you're paying eight bucks for a ticket here in Detroit. Uh, You can go grab, go grab a beer, grab a hot dog, enjoy some weather. You know, it's not, it's not bad, but to like sit there and watch it on TV or to sit there and like gamble on it. Like, why would you do that?
0: Yeah. Good question. I don't know. But what I do know is that my sports betting career is alive and well, thanks to the NHL, allowing Dalibor Dvorsky to drop after pick eight. So, Dalibor Dvorsky going to St. Louis at number 10 means Mike and Chase win some money, and that means Mike can continue to bet. But I would have liked, you know, the uh, the $100 I would have got if Matt Mishkov would have went second, but, you know, the NHL is dumb.
1: Oh, you mean if he would have went second like he should have?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. These stupid NHL teams, I, all these GMs, oh, I'm afraid to lose my job. Well how about you stop playing afraid? Because when you play afraid, that's how you end up getting fired. You have to take shots. You have to make these big decisions. If you play it safe, like you're you're not going to win. You're not going to build cup contenders. You're you're not going to do these things. You have to take flyers on high upside guys. You have to take flyers on guys that might not report for a couple years, guys that might not report at all. It's just what you have to do to win. And if you're afraid to do that, then maybe you shouldn't be in that position. So now you look at a team like the flyers, they get, an ultimate value on a guy like Matthew Mishkov who just has all the skill in the world. If he if he wasn't Russian, he'd be rivaling Conor Bernard in this draft. Like many, many analysts have said that. Even even NHL scouts have said that. And I do believe that he, he could really potentially rival Counter Bernard in this draft class. So to let him slip to that spot, seventh overall, like the, these teams are just idiotic it really makes me mad that some of these people get into these kind of positions
0: and one of the most annoying things is I feel like we preach it non-stop that we preach about don't turtle it seems like any situation where you're going to play defensively you're going to play scared you're going to play safe it never works out it's just dumb and now if if Anaheim wants to go the likes of an Adam Fantilli over a Matt Vamishkov a little bit more understandable because Adam Fantilli, he is a very talented player. We know his ceiling is very high. We know he's ready to come in, but they didn't even do that. They went and got Leo Carlson. Then we saw San Jose go with Will Smith, Montreal and Arizona. They go other guys as well, allowing Matt Mishkov to drop to seven. And I'm not saying that these other guys are going to be bad. They're probably going to be very talented players, but we looked at, I don't remember exactly who it was. I don't know if it was Byron Bader or, or who on Twitter, but he has an analytical model and Maffei Mishkov was the number one player in his analytical model where he was a 100% chance of being an NHL or 100% chance of being an NHL star. Now Bedard, he was number two and had 100% chance in both as well, but just shows how talented Mishkov is. We can't let him drop to seven.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And it was Patrick Bacon. He's the one that has this model. Um, it's it's through J, J Fresh. Like it, it's kind of through his Patreon and stuff. Um, so pa- Patrick Bacon is, is the guy that um, had this out, and he tweeted out per pick um, what he had them, you know, rated or graded as um, what the analytics said, and would kind of from there be like Bet my you know best players available, blah blah blah, whatever. And Eshov was the best player available up until he was selected because it like his projections, even his NHLE um i can't remember the, the like the like app the account like the the name of it but um it's like it's a sort of like nhl fantasy app thing that um uses like nhl like an nhl e-model to kind of project future like fantasy production and future nhl production as well but it's used like you know kind of for like you know like dynasty ho- like fancy hockey leagues and stuff but matthew mishkov had the Highest NHLE and like, or PNHLE, which is trying to predict what they can score in the NHL. I should say, excuse me. So, the highest PNHLE, and he was, you know, as I said, number one. Um, Bedard, Bedard was just behind him. Bedard had a PNHLE of 150, so they're saying that, um, his ceiling could, you know, be 150 points a year, which is obviously tremendous. But Math Mishkov was 151, j- just barely, you know, like edging him. So, there so many of these analytics, and sure, maybe they're not. NHL team analytics, but I don't care. The, these public analytics are generally better off than these NHL ones. Um, like they're they're saying all these good things, and they're things that I agree with. So I, I'm obviously gonna be in favor of them. I, I just I, I I don't get how these teams can kind of be you know so short sighted. I guess I don't I don't know why they're so afraid to take take a leap of faith because. You, you you look at what, what Steve Weiserman did, you know, he, he takes leaps of faith, and you look at his first move, his first draft pick in Detroit, taking more outsider, that was a leap of faith type pick. And it, it worked out. These teams just need to stop playing so safe, so soft, because it's just no fun, and that's ultimately how you lose your job.
0: Yeah, and I don't remember the exact quote from Matvey Mishkov, but when he was in the interview after being drafted by the Flyers, uh, they asked when he expects to come over to the NHL. And I don't know if it was very soon, really soon, or just soon, but it seemed like there could be potential where we do see him closer or sooner than the three years originally projected. And even if not, the Flyers, they talked about it, and they said we are totally content with waiting those three years because of how talented he is. But if we do get to see him sooner, man, that's going to be a lot of fun. I
1: really hope we do, especially to kind of, you know, rub the other teams noses in it that passed on them because it really is stupid. And there was all these things were coming out that apparently Mishkov was saying, you know, I only want to go to these teams. I want to go to a team with a history of winning. Cause I want to win a Stanley cup. That's what I'm coming over here for. I don't want to go to, you know, a poverty franchise essentially, which if Philly is one of those teams. It's a, it's a little, little, little weird to me because they haven't won since like the seventies they're, they're a little poverty, but nonetheless, they still went out and grabbed an elite player and, I really wouldn't think it's that far-fetched for him to find a way out of that contract. Players have done it before, um, so it's not like it would be the first time it's happened. It'd be a very difficult process. It, it would not be something that is just plain and simple, yeah, I'm leaving, and then you're gone because there's no agreement between the NHL and Russia. But it can be done. So I really hope it does happen as well because I want to see him over here. I, I want to watch him dominating in the NHL because he is such a fun player to watch.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about the rest of the draft now, and I think we can kind of avoid Connor Bedard as well. We've talked about him for I feel like the last month as a whole um, going to Chicago. But when you look at the rest of the board, aside from Bedard, aside from Mishkov, what are some of your favorite picks?
1: I really love you know as we mentioned, Dale Borevski slipping. I love that Billy for Saint Louis. He he's just talented man. He's he's just a very smart upside while also being a safe player. Um, he's someone that I think is a, a guaranteed NHLer, while still being able to potentially score 70, 80 points and being a, a good two-way man. So it's a great pick for St. Louis. It's a guy that I would love to have on any NHL team, in any NHL system, under any NHL coach. He would have success. I love the Matthew Wood value to Nashville down there at the uh, 15th pick, a guy that I had, you know, ranked easily in my, in my top. I think it was my number six player Um I, I would have I've absolutely, taking him as early as that because he has the size, he has the skill, he has production. He's got everything you need, so it's a tremendous value. And then if we're going to kind of keep looking into the first round, I think Quentin Musty down to San Jose there at 26. I think that's a really nice value. I think that they had, you know, a pretty a pretty good draft, especially a very good day one. And then um, you know when you're looking at, you you know even a guy like Mikhail Guliev who went to, went to Seattle, um, someone that I have ranked super highly over in Russia um he's kind of like a lane hudson type player where teams are just kind of sleeping on a little bit because of his size but you know if he would have went as the first defenseman i would have definitely not scoffed at it at all because he does have a lot of skill granted i would still take reinbacher but if a team did it i'd be like you know that's fair because this guy has the potential to be a 60 point defenseman. and i really do so i think that um or i think it's said seattle i if did i apologize i meant to say colorado um colorado got a really good value there which is frustrating, but. Um, all in all, it was minus the Matthew Mishkov drop in the Fantilli pick. It was a pretty uneventful uh, first day. We were supposed to hear about all these trades. Nothing happened. Not a ton of crazy picks, but there definitely were some values, and those were among the first couple that I really liked.
0: Yeah, and that's the crazy thing is we did see some interesting picks, especially at the top, seeing Leo Carlson go in front of Fantilli Mishkov, seeing Dmitry Simashev be the sixth overall pick to Arizona. Another interesting pick, but I think when we talked about it as the night ended, it seemed like 29, 30 of the players that actually got taken in the first round were seen as first round picks. Now, not necessarily seen as the sixth overall pick, maybe more along the lines of 28 or something for Simashev. But when you look at the draft as a whole, everything seemed pretty standard, just in a different, uh, I guess, orientation.
1: Yeah, like there really wasn't anybody that was like, how the hell did they go in the first round? You know, the one guy that I would say was close to that was Ethan Cowan. Um, not someone I would have taken there. I, I just, you know, he wasn't in my top sixty-four, so I wouldn't have taken him there. But when it comes to everybody else, it's like, yeah, I could, I, I could see how, you know, as even though Simichev does go as high as he did, he's still someone who's worthy of a first-round pick because he is big, he is a defensive D-man who does have some, you know, offensive skills, and so maybe he can figure out the production. I don't know, but like. It, it really wasn't anything off the board. It wasn't like, you know, when Chinikov went randomly in the first round. Um, you know, it, it wasn't anything as wild as that. But nonetheless, it's still, still enjoyable watching the draft. I just wish there was more chaos.
0: Yeah. And for the 2023 legendary draft classes that we've talked about for a long while, having the legendary running back uh, position just going to explode in the NFL, a very exciting NFL draft. Obviously, the NBA had one banyana. And then Connor Bedard here with the NHL draft class. Seemed like we are so excited for the 2023 class. that I feel like maybe I hyped it up a little bit too much when it comes to the actual draft excitement. It didn't really, I guess, meet my expectations on draft night. But nonetheless, I mean, all these players are going to be fantastic. And to see them play in the league next year is going to be the most fun part about it all.
1: Those coveted players, you know, the three that we just mentioned. The only one that went to a spot I liked, like that can tolerate a team, was Bijan going to Atlanta. And so I'm like, yeah, I love it. It's like, yeah, I can tolerate them. I hate the Blackhawks. Like that's boring. And then, um, what's does not went to the Spurs, right? And so yep. it us yep, yeah, and like, what what am I gonna? I, I don't watch NBA as it is really because it's it's pretty boring. But here and there I'll watch it. You know, for 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 a guy like him because he has so much upside. But what am I going to root for the Spurs? What gross? No. <laughs> Why the hell would I do that? So like they went to gross teams, teams that I don't root for. It's just
0: annoying. Absolutely. Well, before we go to hockey name of the day, I do think it's important that we mention uh, the absolute disgrace that has been the Montreal fan base.
1: Yeah. This shit's stupid because David Reinbacher is an unbelievable prospect. Someone I think is going to have a very good NHL career, a very long NHL career. Someone that if he made the NHL this year, I wouldn't be that shocked. I is he better off probably developing for a year. Sure. But if he came over and, and made it, like I, I wouldn't be like, holy hell, that was crazy because he's just good. And Montreal fans were basically threatening him and calling him out and saying horrible shit to him online. Because that they didn't, you know, they didn't take Mischoff with that pick. It's not his fault that that Montreal liked him. It's not his fault that he's, you know, a good player and is a very coveted prospect who is worthy of going in that spot. Because, you know, I had him ranked right there. A lot of people did. That's very fair. So, shit Montreal fans. A terrible franchise. Terrible fan base. The team I do not like rooting for. Fan base that, you know, makes it hard to root for them basically wishing all these horrible things upon this player, calling him all these terrible things, just because your team didn't draft somebody else. It's pathetic. Now you're making a kid stay back over overseas. You know, he, he was going to come over. He was going to play in North America, whether it be the NHL, whether it be in the HL, whether it be major junior, he was going to be over here. You were going to see him play, but now he's staying overseas. He's probably gonna stay in the Swiss league. Maybe he goes to the Swedish league. I don't know, but he, he's going to stay over there instead because of all, all this shit that you guys have been saying, you know, they're, they're afraid of killing this, this young kid's confidence in his potential and his upside because fans are going to keep berating him. It's stupid. It's pathetic. It's it's an absolute joke.
0: And that's kind of the like, you don't have to be the most intelligent person in the room to realize that you not getting Mishkov is not Reinbacher's fault. Like, that seems pretty straightforward. That seems like elementary math right there so to have everyone going after him rather than the front office is really the most disappointing part like come on guys it it, it's not it's common sense at this point what are we doing
1: it's it's a joke dude everyone thinks that like these aren't people and yeah it's fair to criticize them um you know, you, you can criticize GMs coaches and players to an extent because at the end of the day, it is a it is a public performance that they're putting on. This is something that they're putting out there. Um, they're choosing to do this, and part of that, you know, comes with, with the public scrutiny, you know, like scrutiny. Like it, it's it's something that can happen, but this isn't a kid that has done anything to be scrutinized. He hasn't played a game for Montreal. He was simply drafted by them. He had him been signed, you know, he had hardly done any media. He hadn't done a single thing wrong. He hasn't done anything to hurt the franchise other than being drafted by them. And it, and it wasn't like it was a reach or anything. It was just because they didn't get a certain player. So it, it, it makes no sense. Uh, you know, you, you can criticize the team, uh, because you can criticize the player, but as you said, it's it's not rocket science to, to understand that you should be criticizing the team and the staff if you want to make a criticism.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned it last night. One of the best, most sweetest karma's a bitch moments ever would be if Reinbacher demands a trade and gets out of Montreal, Montreal doesn't get much back for him. That would be fantastic. It it would be a a big ol' suck it to Montreal fans.
1: It would like request a trade. I don't want him to stay back overseas for four years because he's going to be ready to play in the NHL super quickly, but it is an option. He can stay overseas for four years, let us, let his rights lapse and he can go sign wherever he wants. Like that's something he can do. I don't want that to happen. He like, if he's not going to, have to play this year, he's going to, to play next year. Okay, I can already tell you that. So I want to see him over here sooner than later. But they, Montreal really pissed me off. I don't want to see him play for them because he's a player that I do really like. And I, I'm I'm just forever going to hold that disdain towards those Montreal Canadian fans.
0: All right. Finally, let's head to hockey name of the day. We have old Montana Onyabuchi.
1: Montana Onyabuchi. So, you know, it's a bit, a bit more of an O oh sound, not not a ah sound. Okay. But Matany Onibuchi, 23-year-old defenseman, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. He is a Canadian. He spent some time in the WHL before he made the pro jump. Um, you know, playing with, within the San Jose organization. Played for the Barracuda last season, 10 points to 35 games. Uh the previous year played 46 games at seven points. Also played some games in the East Coast League with our Orlando Solar Bears. So you know if we have any um you know dire solar bear fans um listening which we hopefully have a couple because it, it, it's a great organization shout out to Joey Batano. um you know it's, it's a name you might recognize but he is you know just recently this, this offseason I should say signed a contract with the Arizona Coyotes so congrats to him on his NHL deal um is he going to you know make the Yotes out of camp probably not um he, i would expect him to be down in tucson but who knows maybe he ends up being one of those guys that is that, you know, like really the eighth, ninth defenseman in an organization where call him up when needed. Um, He, he can maybe play a couple of games, go back down, Um, be, you know, turn into a potentially just really good locker room guy who can kind of do what you need him to do.
0: Yeah. And fun fact, I heard that Montana was actually named after his parents' favorite pop star, Hannah Montana.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for stopping by Chase hit him with an outro.
1: As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. But you can follow us on Twitter at Bulls Podcast at Bulls You can follow the hockey podcast network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. That's at Hockey PodNet. Or right at it, you can follow WNP on Twitter at WNP Pod. That's WNP Sports Pod. Make sure to the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You can find all the pods in the network right there. Boom. Click the logo. Listen easy peasy lemon squeezy. Wherever you listening raise five stars, Send your questions, comments, concerns, we'd appreciate it. Where do you do for at gets you go THPN? We sign for DraftKings.
0: Thanks so much for stopping by. Talk to you next time.